Can you see the groundwork of your heart, the depths of pride, self-will, and hell? It is not entire consecration that is needed so much as entire crucifixion. Only you know the inward moving of your soul. If you begin to truly see the depths of the sin problem and try to share with another your concern about your own soul, you will most likely receive the same response I have received from well-meaning friends and family. Come on, you can't be serious. Lighten up, Jan. Jesus loves you. You are covered by the righteousness of Jesus. When I have pressed even more earnestly about my sin, they usually avoid me and say, You're becoming a fanatic. You're going too far. Come on, let's do something fun, and you'll soon forget this nonsense. This well-meaning advice is of no help to the one who strongly desires to enter into Jesus Christ. When the light of heaven begins to break through our numbness of heart, we must ask the Holy Spirit to deepen our sorrow in order to get to the deep repentance necessary to remove the plague of sin from our hearts. We must grieve because of our hard, stony hearts. Our souls were created to be the temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell. Yet we have turned our temple into a den of thieves and a nest for a brood of spiritual vipers of envy, jealousy, idolatry, fretfulness, anger, pride, impatience, self-righteousness, love of violence, self-will, tormenting fears, unbelief, and self-indulgence. As God's grace detects these evils in your heart, you must pay close attention, especially at the moment the devil sends temptation. By frequent and deep confession, drag out all these sins that demand to rule your heart and bring them before Jesus. Place them in the light of his countenance. And if you do this in faith, the light and the warmth of his love will destroy them. Confession and crucifixion is God's method of dealing with our sin. Yet the modern American church wants nothing to do with this narrow road. It wants 40 days of purpose or some other flesh-pleasing program. It wants a blessing and to be told how wonderful we all are. The truth is, we are miserable, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. As we begin to come to our senses, the truth of our condition will cause us to weep before the Lord and grieve over the wickedness of our hearts. We are Pastors Ray and Jan Greenley of the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for caring about Jesus today. A lukewarm or an indifferent spirit is the deadliest sin we can have in our walk with Jesus. The reason it's so deadly is lukewarmness or indifference is always a cover for sin. It means there are things that we have not confessed, we have not dealt with, 
and they're poisoning our whole system. Now, when we come to Romans, the eighth chapter, in verse 13, the word is very clear that if we live according to the sinful nature, we will die. But if by the Spirit we put to death the misdeeds of the body, we will live. And so these things that have become so entrenched in our hearts, this nest or this brood of spiritual vipers, envy and jealousy and idolatry and anger and bitterness, love of pleasure, all of these things that that dwell in us, the gluttony, the laziness, all of these things that come so naturally to us, they deaden our spirit. They cause us to be indifferent to Jesus. They cause us to be lukewarm toward Jesus. And Paul is saying that if we live according to this sinful nature, even though we have claimed to be born again, even if we say we are saved, we will in fact face the judgment bar of God and be cast into that lake of fire. So on one hand, we have utter destruction, we have judgment, we have fire, we have wrath. But on the other hand, for those who will come into Jesus Christ, for those who will become sons of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will turn away from their sins, there is intimacy with the Father. Paul tells us that we'll call him Abba, or the familiar tense of Father, which is Daddy. Then in verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Verse 17, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And so, very quickly, we have two sides. We have one, judgment, wrath, destruction, lukewarm, indifferent spirit, saying, yes, I'm a Christian, but walking in the ways of the world under the law of sin and death, never really gaining the victory, always walking in that middle ground of absolute unconsciousness. And it seems so very difficult, so very painful to begin to press in and and allow the Holy Spirit to unveil this evil in our heart. But if we'll do that, it's very difficult now. But if we'll do that, if we'll ask the Holy Spirit to quicken our hearts and to bring us into the fullness of this weeping and grieving and dealing with the hardness of our heart, if we'll do that now, we'll then enter into a place of such joy and peace. We'll enter into a place of absolute intimacy with God. Now, this is what Jesus was addressing when he spoke to the church at Laodicea in Revelation, the third chapter. Yesterday, we spoke about this incredible description, pitiful, poor, blind, naked, 
wretched, and these people don't even know their condition. They are so numbed out by the world. They've taken the drugs of the world, the television, the sports, the collecting of this and that, the running constantly, the the earning of money, the lifestyle. Most who call themselves Christians in America will actually go to hell. They're having their heaven right now. They're having all of their wonderful, wonderful entertainment now. They're having all of their parties now. They have no heart to truly seek after Jesus. They're just lukewarm. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Literally, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. So then he begins to describe for us the very specific things we must do if we're going to break free of this lukewarm, indifferent spirit, this deadly sin that holds us captive and causes us to be so utterly unconscious of our spirit. Revelation 3, verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Let's speak first, Jan, about just the gold. It's clear that Jesus is speaking very specifically about deeds, not emotions. He's speaking about the way we actually live our life day by day, and he's addressing whether or not we've allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and deal to the bottom with our sin. That's why we're naked, because we have no clothing on. That's why we're poor, because we have none of the resources of heaven at our disposal. And so the first issue that we need to look at is this gold. If you look in the book of First Peter, the first chapter, Peter begins this chapter by saying, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Lithuania, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. There is a doctrine taught today that is straight from the pit of hell It's called irresistible grace. Irresistible grace teaches this, that when a person is invited or called by the Lord God of heaven, they have no choice. They must accept. And that's why they go on to teach that once you've accepted Jesus, then you can commit any kind of sin and you can never be lost because the irresistible grace of God is going to draw you and save you regardless of what you want or what you decide or desire. Keep your finger right there in that passage in Peter and just very quickly look at Matthew 22. Jesus has just told us the story of this king who has a wedding feast. A man is found in that wedding feast without the proper clothing on. And the king says, tie him hand and foot and throw him out into the darkness 
where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. You may be invited, but you will only be chosen if you enter, as Peter says, into the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Now, the book of Romans is not primarily about justification. It's about being made righteous. Peter is speaking about strangers in the world. And these strangers have been called by God, not through irresistible grace. These strangers have been called by God through a work of sanctification, a work of obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. We learn that in 1 Peter, the first chapter, verses 2 and 3. That reminds me, Jan, of another passage of Scripture back in Romans, the first chapter. Through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. What Paul is saying to us and what Peter is saying to us are the same things. They're saying that there is a a sanctifying work of the Spirit. There is an obedience that Jesus Christ is looking for. And then we come to this passage that deals with the gold. Let's share this together. This is verse 6 in 1 Peter, the first chapter. Though for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation for your souls. So I believe that the goal that Jesus is speaking about in Revelation, the third chapter, verse 18 is really faith. But it's not faith in order to gain prosperity. It's faith in order to gain sanctification. Now, some of you have asked the question, after we have been saved, after we have been born again, do we continue in sin? Will we still walk in wickedness? And the answer is both yes and no. For most of us, our experience has been that after we were born again, we went back and rebuilt some of those things that were destroyed by dying and being crucified with Christ. That's why we have to come back now and really do the second work of grace, which is absolutely surrendering not just with consecration to Christ, but now with the crucifixion. It's the crucifixion of those remnants, those roots that that go deep down into our soul. And this is a work we must cry out for. We must desperately come before God, feeling our condition. And if we're lukewarm and we're indifferent, we will never 
come into the presence of Jesus to do this work. In fact, we will feel no need to come into the presence of Jesus. And that's why Jesus said, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I'm going to cast you aside. He's speaking this to people who've been born again. He wants us to walk in faith with gold refined in the fire so that we now can come before him and confess these sins, bring them out into the open, look at them squarely in the face, and let the light and the glory and the warmth of the love of Jesus destroy them. You see, we don't have to keep struggling with our sin. No, that struggle is over. Now we bring those things, we confess them, we bring them into the open, we make restitution for them, we renounce them, we cut them off, and we bring them into the glorious light of Jesus Christ. And those things shrivel and die and are cut off from us. I have one dear person who just says, I can't quit smoking. Well, I know why they can't quit smoking. They love their sin. They won't confess that thing and bring it out into the open and let Jesus Christ take it. So they clutch it in the shadows. They stay in their cave. They won't cry out like blind Bartimaeus until the work is done. There is none of this work that we're speaking about of sanctification that is done in the flesh. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is a glorious work, even as the glorious work of justification was accomplished when Jesus came and jumped into our life. We didn't deserve it, and we didn't earn it. Now the same thing happens with sanctification. We don't deserve it, we don't earn it, but as we come before Christ and we weep over our sins, we confess that wickedness and that darkness, then he comes and in like manner, his glory destroys these roots of sin in us so that we no longer walk in this wicked rebellion against the Most High God. Now he counsels us, after we bought the gold, to buy the white clothes to wear so that we can cover our shameful nakedness. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. If we were to enter into the kingdom of God, and we were to meet Jesus, and we had no righteousness, if we had not been sanctified, he would look at us, and he'd see that we had on no wedding garment, and he would cast us out into outer darkness where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Remember, he said back here in the book of Matthew, for many are invited, but few are chosen. That's why I say most in America will not be chosen because they're living in lukewarm indifference. There's no earnest desire to deal with these deadly sins, these serpents that have come into our hearts. These must be dealt with. 
And these beautiful white garments that we are given, those are the righteous acts of the saints. That's what Jesus says in Revelation 19, 7 and 8. This linen, bright and clean, it's not what we have done. It's what Jesus Christ has done in us. This is what is imparted to us. It is not imputed. The imputed righteousness is only for those sins of the past. Today, righteousness is not imputed to us. It's now imparted to us. It's given freely to us. We must make confession. We must be crucified. We must make restitution for our wrongs. We must turn from that wicked darkness and walk no more in it. And so after these white clothes are given, then we're told to buy salve to put on our eyes so we can see. Well, what is this salve we're to put on our eyes? Always in the church, we have interpreted this as the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. He is the oil. And if we want to know honestly the work of the Holy Spirit, we must go to John the 16th chapter. Jan, would you read this scripture for us? Verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to go to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Holy Spirit comes and brings conviction of sin. If you were to go to a revival and you wanted to know, is this revival real or is it false? There would only be one real way to know the difference. A real revival will be about repentance, righteousness, sanctification, and holiness. And it will be filled with the joyous wonder of those who have come victoriously through the battle and finally have prayed through and they have the victory over sin and this second work of grace is accomplished in their hearts. Always this is what revival has meant. Revival has always come when God's people have awakened from their slumber, from their lukewarm condition, from their indifferent spirit, and they have earnestly pressed into Jesus, and they've cried aloud. God has always met that cry, and the result has been revival. So now in this passage in John 16, Jesus is very specific about what this conviction of sin will look like. He says that when he comes, he's going to convict the world of guilt in three areas. One, he's going to convict the world in regard to sin or unbelief. Two, he's going to convict regarding righteousness because Jesus no longer walks amongst us, so his life of holiness does not convict us because we can't see him and hear him and touch him. But now the Holy Spirit has come among us and his righteousness brings the glorious light of Jesus 
and our sin is exposed and we turn from it. And the third area is judgment because judgment has been pronounced against all wickedness. Judgment has been pronounced against all sin. And if we continue to walk in sin, the judgment of God will be against us and will be destroyed at the end time. There is no room for sin in the life of a Christian. There is only room for repentance and confession and crucifixion. There's only room for this earnest desire to be holy before God because the Holy Spirit is coming. And as he comes, he'll bring conviction to our hearts and we'll cry aloud because we must have Jesus. We'll no longer walk in this lukewarm indifference. Now, very quickly, back in the book of Revelation, he goes on. Let's read together verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So I want you to understand this. If Jesus loves you, he's going to rebuke you and he's going to discipline you in order to wake you up from this lukewarm, indifferent spirit and cause you to see your true condition. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. How earnest are you today? Are you willing to repent? Are you willing to go into your prayer closet and deal with your lukewarm and different spirit? Are you willing to be rebuked and disciplined by Jesus? Today, Jesus counsels us to buy gold tried in the fire, that we may be rich. The only way to gain these riches is we must purchase it from him. This means confession of all known sins. It means crucifixion of our self-sufficiency and our rebellious ways. It means we must come to Jesus empty so he can fill us with his hidden manna and the gift of the Holy Spirit. The light of heaven is beginning to break through the numbness of your heart, or you wouldn't be listening to this broadcast. Now you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to deepen this sorrow that's beginning to come up in your heart, this earnest desire to be right with Jesus Treasure that. Don't share it with someone else yet. But go into your prayer closet and treasure that beginning seed of repentance that he's beginning to plant deeply in your heart. You see, there's a very deep work of repentance that's necessary to remove this plague of sin from our hearts. And as you weep before him, as you grieve over this sin, as he awakens you to your condition, then it's time for confession and crucifixion. And by crucifixion, we simply mean going to that place where you are exposed and lifted up and put to death. It's not hidden. It's not secret. It's not private. It's very public. 
It's where you just frankly begin to say, look, I give over into the hand of Jesus all of my hopes and desires. I give into Jesus' hand my wife, my husband, my children, my money. I no longer possess anything. I am now a dead man. I'm no longer responsible for my job. I'm no longer responsible for anything. I now give all responsibility into the hand of Jesus, and I'm going to simply obey and do exactly what he tells me to do. So now Jesus becomes responsible for our finances. He becomes responsible for the salvation of our children. He becomes responsible for everything. He's responsible for you. Pastor Jan and I have spent hours weeping and praying for you. And we've just given you over into the hand of God. We trust what Jesus is doing in your heart. We may be here for just a short time. But for the length of time we're able, by the grace of God, to be on this broadcast, we're going to proclaim from the rooftops complete, total sanctification. We're going to proclaim holiness and oneness with Jesus Christ. We're going to say, leave your life of sin. Walk before God with fear and trembling. Lay aside those things of cheap entertainment. Lay aside all those trinkets. Nothing is as important as eternity. And we want to spend that eternity with you, our brothers and sisters, with Jesus Christ. Almighty God, we cry out today for our brothers and our sisters. We ask for the poured out power and presence of the Holy Spirit to quicken these words we've spoken. Lord, you alone can bring conviction of sin, and you alone can break down this numbness and these barriers that have been erected. Lord, we ask today that you would tear them down, that you would reveal to our brothers and sisters the true condition of their hearts and that they would earnestly seek after you. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen.